This week, the Paul George Show welcomes Annie Hickman. It's hard to disagree, and it's hard not to love each other when you're sitting down eating, you know, ice cream or, you know, sitting down eating great fajitas or great, you know. And so what we kind of found is that way better than giving a talk to somebody, you know, somebody who might not practice their faith or somebody who has a different viewpoint or worldview or something, better than giving a talk to them is sitting down across the table and just enjoying community. Welcome to the Paul George Show, talking haves and have-nots, community unity, and why Paul wants to be a dog. Here's your host, Paul George. This is Paul George. Great to be with you. Casey Trahan in studio with me today. Casey, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for saying my whole name. You know, most hosts will just introduce their producers like Casey's here. But no, you take the time. You introduce me correctly. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate and uh, your last name is fun to say, in particularly because most people don't know how to pronounce it. I, I don't even know. Do you say Trahan or Trahan? I, I definitely say Trahan, but that's the thing. Like it all comes out as kind of a squall because of my southern draw. So how do you spell it? T R A H A N. So most people, if they're not from this area where you're from, mm-hmm. South Louisiana, would say Trahan, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, I know. Like I, you, I do correct people, like wherever I'm at. Like when you travel places? Yeah, it's like it's not your hands. It's kind of like me with my name Paul. People get it wrong all the time. Right. Right. <laughs> Speaking of the name Paul George, did you see this week on Facebook, I had somebody Photoshop your face on the new 2K17? No, I didn't. <laughs> did you really? I really did. Okay, you got to send me that. Yeah, I'll pull it up during the show. So the the face of 2K17 is Paul George, the Indiana Pacer basketball player. Right. So naturally, I said, well, let's. Who actually, interestingly enough, I often get mistaken by on Twitter. I literally got a tweet last night from somebody from another country thinking that I was Paul George, the NBA player. Now, granted, um, I know we're both handsome, and that's good, but he is taller than me. A few inches, yeah. Uh, He's darker than me. He's richer than me, and he's younger than me. So there's really nothing to compare. And and our profile pics on our Twitter feeds are completely different. His is his, and mine is mine. And I still have no idea why someone would tweet me thinking that I'm him. Mm, you know, quick quick t- tweet or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, people, either that or people are just idiots on Twitter, right? They just don't get it, and they don't figure it out. Anyway, here's a question for you. All right, it's going to be completely random. If you could be any pet... What type of pet would you be? I mean, I don't know. Like a cat, they kind of just get to lay around everywhere. Yeah, something domesticated, though. So domesticated animal. Well, you mean something that's like not normally a pet? A pet? Well, no, that's it, what I'm saying. I would, I would yeah. be a cat because I could lay around and like do nothing because cats do nothing. I can totally see you as a cat, by the way. <laughs> you got that beard, you know, which is... I'm, I'm a little sassy and feisty. You yeah. are a little sassy and feisty. Your claws come out every now and then. Uh so I, yeah, I could see you as a as a cat. So maybe maybe something a little bit more interesting. I would be a spider monkey. What is that? Uh, it's it's a monkey. It's just a funny word to say, but a spider monkey because like I would just wreak havoc on my owners. Okay. Because like, you can't domesticate me. Well, that's true. This all makes sense. Anyway, this is all getting me to the point that today, uh, if I could be any pet today, it would be a dog. So here here's the thing. Uh, did you see this? Um, the, the richest kid in China, so he's the son of the richest man uh, in China who was like the first billionaire in China, 
Uh, this guy is like a real estate, you know, entrepreneur. He's got billions of dollars. Well, his son uh, obviously has a share of the billions of dollars. And since the iPhone 7 just came out, it's the new thing. You can't get a hold of it. Well, he's got so much money. Here's what he did, all right? And this cracks me up and upsets me all at the same time. He went out and he got uh, eight iPhone 7s. Okay. Uh, and Wait, stop. Why not seven iPhone 7s? There's, there's a beauty to that. I don't know. I don't think they see seven as a perfect number. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they he got eight iPhone 7s uh, for his dog. So that's why you want to be a dog, so you can have some phones. Yeah, I want, and, and I want eight of them. Not only do I want so, one, so this but kid, I want, wait, he and he made like a like a like an iPhone necklace to put around his dog's neck. Now, can you imagine um, how bad it makes people feel who can't one uh, afford an iPhone or have access to an iPhone? He buys eight and makes a chain to put around his dog's neck. That, that reminds me, did you see that there was an artist that made a legitimate golden toilet? Yes, I did see that. So that that's what that reminds me of. It's just like, really? Well, and I did see that there were some athletes who, uh, part of their rehab, uh, like post-game rehab, is they sit in a hot tub of wine, soak in wine. Now, can you imagine? Like, it's, it's, it's effort for me. It's like a, a victory for me when I could afford a bottle of wine, right? right? The, the $7 version uh, of wine and celebrate uh, with my wife. But to, to think of that some people would sit in a bathtub full of wine cracks me up. These are the kind of people that if they would get the genie in the bottle, like world hunger, nah. Right. Doesn't really matter. And, and honestly, that, that sort of is kind of bringing me to this whole point is, look, I don't know this guy in China. I'm, I, he's got a ton of money and his money compared to my money, there, there's, there's, there's no comparison. So he's got so much to buy. I, eight iPhones doesn't really matter because it's so little to him. For me, it seems like so much. Okay. So his perspective, honestly, is a little bit different, a lot different than mine. Okay. Um, but if you've ever traveled to China and I've never personally been, but worked for an organization that would send missionaries to China. And one of the things about China is, um, there's a lot of poverty there and a lot of division there in the country between the rich and the poor, the educated, the uneducated, um, and if, if you travel there, your heart breaks, um, particularly for the poor and then even more so for the lack of faith that's there. It's one of the most secular countries in the world where everything is revolved around your status, who you are, your riches, uh, that, that makes you who you are. And people, honestly, uh, the depression rate and the suicide rate in China is like astronomical. So what happens to this guy is a question I want to have for him. And like this conversation with him is like, what happens when one day maybe he can't just buy stuff to make him happy? I mean, this is the place that most people get no matter where you live in the world. Mm-hmm. And you go to China, you see this divide. Yeah. It's big. That, the, the have and the have nots. Here, here's another like interesting follow-up question to that, Paul. So you have these people that have this huge divide, and it is one of the most secular places in the world. However, the church there, mm-hmm. it's small, but it is thriving amongst that minority. Yeah, but because the population is so large, you're right that, that the church population is minute in comparison. And the, and the way that the gospel of hope is brought to people is is happening, but it's such on a small scale. One, because the, the communist country 
um, you know, thwarts any activity, any large activity of the church movement. So they have the underground church, they have the above ground church. The above ground church is approved by the country, which means they can only do say things that the that the country approves of, uh, the government approves of. And so the underground church is the one that's authentic. It's the one that really believes and preaches the gospel. Um, but that's the one that's persecuted. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's held down. And then ultimately, there's just a ton of people there um, that have just never heard of the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, which leads me to another point, which I'm, I want to get to in the last segment here today, but I want to bring it up now because it's really been bothering me and it's been pricking my conscience really for this past year and even more so the past couple of months is the division even in our own country, mm-hmm. right? So we live in the United States, which is truly blessed to live in this country, which is free. You think about China, which is communist. And although people have money there, uh, they're not all happy. And certainly there's a lot of issues there. But for us, we're very privileged to live in this country, uh, to be a part of the United States of America, to have the freedoms we have. Um, but this last year, I've been my eyes really been opening to the division that's even in our own country, and particularly uh, the racial division that's in our country. Now, I know when I say that, people are like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, just open your eyes and you'll see it. And, and I say, look, there's hope. We've come a long way over the course of our history of our country. But there's no denying the fact that there's been race issues since our country started. And to think even now in 2016, uh, there's still some of that racial divide in our country. And just this week, uh, another you know black person was killed by a cop. And and then it heightens all the emotions that surround it. We have you know professional athletes who aren't standing for the national anthem. There's a lot of tension going on. And I think people ask some questions. For me, here's the deal. For me as a Christian, all right? Who, whose heart's been changed by God. And, and when we're a Christian uh, and God's changed our life, uh, we see the world through new lenses, right? And, and we love everyone. Uh, everyone's human. No one's uh, different in the eyes of God. We're all created equal. We know that, and I know that, right? And I know that I love everyone and want to love everyone, but this tension continues to kind of be a part of our world. And oftentimes, even as a Christian, I don't know what to do about it. Part of what we're going to talk about today is is how do how do we kind of move in that direction of just loving our neighbor? But interestingly enough, I'm finding that so many people are asking these same questions and feeling the same tension that I'm feeling. The book that I'm talking about is called Under Our Skin by Benjamin Watson. It's a fascinating read, and I think it's eye opening. It's it, it really is. You know, as we're sensing this this racial tension and all these things that are happening, the book really kind of grabs hold of, of the truths that are out there, helps us take the steps forward. Um, once again, it's called Under Our Skin by Benjamin Watson. It's a fascinating read. Truly, highly recommend it, and I'm excited to talk more about it. So that's really what's been bothering me. We're going to touch on it a little today. I know it's a hot topic, Casey. But anyway, super excited about our, our guest this morning, uh, a guy named Any Hickman from Houston, Texas. He's the president of a nonprofit ministry called Adore Ministries. It's adoreministries.com. Uh, super great guy. I mean, he's going to talk to us about how do we love our neighbor? Uh, how do we learn how to set a good pace for our life and, and what it would look like if we, uh, open up our doors to our whole neighborhood. How would that change our life? It's gonna be a fascinating, uh, interview. I'm excited about it. So we'll be right back. It's Paul George.
Paternoster, quies in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum. Adveniat renium tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris. Et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Welcome back to the show. This is Paul George. Great to be with you. As I said in the first segment, really excited to have our guest with us today, Any Hickman from Houston, Texas, president of Adore Ministries. Any, how you doing, bro? Great, man. It's supposedly fall, but uh, <laughs> but I don't I don't feel it. Yeah, it's like the first week of fall for everyone. But in the South, it was a hundred degrees yesterday in my truck. Right. I got the warning, the uh, heat advisory warning here in Houston um, <laughs> on the first day of fall. On the first like day of everybody, fall. Everybody stay indoors. You're, you're going to melt if you go outside. Yeah, it's hotter here in, in September than it was in August. So yeah. it's, um, you know, a lot of that global weirding, as I like to say, not global warming. It's global weirding to me. I, I just, nothing is like it used to be when, I, at least I, at what I remember as a kid. Yeah, I don't really remember anything. I think we made everything up. But uh, I did talk a few shows ago about seasonal depression. I think it's real for us in the South with the heat. I believe it. Absolutely. Like, because everybody's just getting so, like, irritable and, like, right. just waiting for cool weather. It's like the, everybody just wants to fight with each other. Yeah, totally. And then the implants that come here to Houston, it's funny. They're all wearing hoodies already. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, they're like, they're it's like, September. Oh, yeah, it's flannel time. <laughs> flannel. I'm like, yeah, if you and want your head to be sweaty. <laughs> hoodie? Who wears a hoodie in September, man? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's so funny. I have such an image. Okay. Kid, kid. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I'm going to play a game with you, okay? It's it's uh, mm -hmm. it's true or false or fill in the blank. Okay. So either you answer the question true or false, or it's a question that you fill in the blank with an answer. Easy enough? I'm not good. I'm not good. Well, I'm not really good at rules, but <laughs> try yeah, it. I, I, know, I know that. Okay. So you once bleached your hair tips, the tips of your hair, true or false? true <laughs> why um why'd you do that uh the, it was the end thing in the 90s the 90s okay the 90s that's my only answer okay I that's mean, fair, the 90s. fair enough you're making casey feel really young right now all right mm -hmm. so um your favorite major league baseball team is blank that the astros of course dude uh, astros like speed making a make making a wild card run right now they're gonna make they're gonna make the playoffs Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You were such we, I mean, you I, we knew a, this a month ago. You're an we optimist. Knew this a month ago. I mean, you're you're Well, no, they have these, you know, they have these uh these it's an ebb and flow, you know. They have these they're they're a little streaky, you know, so they'll go on a streak of losing, and I think our streak of losing was perfectly timed. We played three first team, you know, th first place teams in a row, three series. Now we've got uh easy schedule from here. We should be fine as long as the Yankees do their job and the Red Sox do their job. We're going to make the world. We're going to make the World Series all the way. We're going all the way. All right. I'm really hopeful. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're very hopeful, mm -hmm. and um, yep. hope's a good thing. Okay. So yeah. uh, you have blank virtue. You have blank virtue. blank amount of kids. Seven. Seven, seven. Seven children. And their names mm -hmm. are blank, 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 and blank. Uh, Madeline Claire, Dominic Colby, Sophia Therese, 
Avila Celeste, Lucia Maria. She's our Mexican. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's she's the whitest one of them all. Uh, <laughs> she's translucent. What's that? She's transparent. <laughs> yeah, translucent. Yeah, she's translucent. She is. Um, she's a light bulb. And what's the last one's name? Uh, Azeli Louise. I love it. Yeah. You mm-hmm. true or false? You once studied in Austria. True. True. Dude. Some of some of my best. Uh, it definitely best year of my life probably prior to marriage. Um, really, I recommend traveling and studying abroad to anybody, uh, especially the foothills of the Austrian Alps, studying in a 13th century Carthusian monastery. Wow. It was, um, it was pretty intense. Yeah. Was that because of the beer was really good there? <laughs> the beer, but more, more the encounter. I think the encounter uh, with grace, that just exists in a monastery where monks were, you know, just praying day and night, uh, you know, uh, history and man. Yeah, it was, it was just fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Your wife's name is blank and you've been married for blank years. Kana. Her name is Kana, like the wedding at, and, um, we've been married 15 years, 15 years. We just celebrated 15 years in August. So, um, and we still don't know what we're doing, but we're having a blast. We're having a blast doing <laughs> Dude, it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll join the crowd. Don't, yeah, don't ask for any sort of marital advice. I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> Just have a bunch of babies, man. You know? Well, yeah, you know, I do love her. You know, I do love her. <laughs> that's and, a parent. Uh, I think, a parent I think obvious. that's pretty much. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, last question. Um, last question. Yeah. Uh, you often, true or false, uh, open up your house to your whole neighborhood. That's true. Uh, every every week uh, for the last eight years, give or take a couple of times where we were having babies or there were hurricanes, uh, every week we open up our house, our backyard, to um, yeah, to our neighborhood. Um, we call it family dinner, which is you know me being super original. No patent on that name, right? Uh, but, but yeah, family dinner is kind of the highlight of our week. Um, our kids call it party night because, for all intents and purposes, that's what it looks like—just a big party, everybody coming over. And uh, and then there are other kids down the block that call it friends' house <laughs> because when they were, you know, when they were babies, you know, they, their parents would say, well, "We're going to go to the friends' house," you know. So these are you know middle school kids now going, you know. Let's go to friend's house. That's and that's hysterical. like the name of the thing. So, friend's uh, house. But yeah, yeah, that's what, uh, that's, that's kind of our family mission. Um, that's our family mission. You know, I, I love uh, doing work alongside my wife and, and our, you know, and our kids. And it's something that we've found that um, not only is a need, we feel like, in society and our neighborhood, but also uh, it just gives us life. Um, people ask us all the time, like, how, you know, how, how, how do y'all do that? How do you open up your house every single week to a, you know, a potluck thing? And my response now is usually something like, how do you not do that? You know, I don't even know what life would be like if I didn't, um, visit with my neighbors every week. Yeah. That's awesome. I think when people hear about what you're doing with the door ministries in Houston, but in particular, like when you, when you kind of boil it down to what you and Kana do as a family, um, with family dinner, opening up your house to your whole neighborhood. People are fascinated by that idea. Like I know it's, it's not original. Um, but, but in today's culture where we're, 
we sort of put up and put down our garage doors, close our doors, and we're kind of insulated in our own homes. Um, you guys have done the, the exact opposite of just saying, hey, all the neighbors come over and we're going to build community right here in our neighborhood. Yeah, it's been, I mean, the, the, you know, there's definitely been some major influences in our life. Um, you know, people who have, you know, kind of modeled that. Our, our parents, uh, you know, our house is kind of always a gathering spot. And so I saw what kind of joy that brought to to my family growing up. Um, yeah, and your dad's like just, a master barbecuer, man. What's that? Yeah, my dad. Yeah, my dad's always cooking for people, and it's just you know gathering around the table. I think part part of that, my Cajun blood, is just it's a part of it. You know, you you tell stories around good food and drink, and um, you don't you know you 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 keep the important stuff important. And I think yeah, in today's society, we just just kind of got caught up in our own thing and kind of like our individual jobs or careers or schools or sports or whatever and um forgotten that you know that that uh that neighbor love is core to not only the gospel but it's it's core to just being human we yeah. can't we can't exist without each other you know so different instances of like flooding and and uh you know uh just tragedies within families or celebrations within families like we we've seen just because of a simple dinner that we do weekly, we've seen neighbors love each other in tragedies and celebrations and all sorts of things that we're going, man, what, you know, I don't even feel, <laughs> this sounds crazy, but I don't even feel like I need insurance anymore. <laughs> um, because, because of, because of the way our neighbors love us and the way we love our neighbors, you know, it's, it's kind of like, wait, all of these things that sort of have been like our safety nets within society that we pay for, like insurance or, you know, things like that, that, that prior to this neighbors just helped each other. You know, it's like this guy was the doctor and he would just come and visit, or this was the priest, or this was the barber, or this was the, you know, and, and, you know, not, I'm not a, I'm not a doom and gloom guy. And I, you know, but as far as like where we're heading as a society, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this is going to happen soon, but man, we, we better, we better get, you know, get back to some of those basic things, because if, you know, if, if, if things begin to repeat themselves, like they have in history of large empirical, imperial kind of societies, man, we, um, we're going to be stuck if we don't know anybody. And if we haven't invested in relationship and people, you know, and so, um, you know, we really see it as a genius of Jesus, uh, the teaching. It's just, it's, it's very simple, but not always easy, but it is, it's, um, you know, it is, it is a simple thing that we can begin to do. So yeah, it's, it's been cool because I think for a long time, I, I, I was kind of, I, I, you know, people would ask me to go speak or a minister and this kind of thing. And I would give talks based on the gospel and following Jesus and giving your life to Jesus and the Catholic church, blah, 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 all, all these things that people would ask me to do. But I really feel like with this, um, Paul, like I've, I've like found, my life mission, you know, I, I not, not more than a shtick, you know, kind of like what I want to, yeah. I mean, I would, um, I would take, say take like, my life on, you know? Yeah. For you, like if you were to have a mantra for your own life or a mission for for yourself or for your family, it would be simply to the concept of love your neighbor. I mean, that that's really been at the heart of what, what you're about, and what you guys are about, and and it's really transforming your neighborhood and and your family. It's fascinating, you know. I, yeah, yeah. It's it's crazy. So I had a friend who was who was um, 
going through a hard time dying. And uh, I said, what's one piece of advice you have for me? And he says, make your friends now before you need them later. Like love your neighbor and build those relationships because that's what's going to get you through life. When we come back, we're going to talk more with any Hickman about what this all looks like in the day-to-day and how we can uh, jump into loving our neighbor. We'll be right back. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side, to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. This is Paul George. Got Casey Trahan in studio with me and great guest today from Houston, Texas, president of Adore Ministries, Any Hickman, AdoreMinistries.com. Any, thanks for taking the time today, man. Yeah, I always love this. This is so much fun. All right, so we were talking about, um, when we ended that last segment, just about your, your mission and mantra of loving your neighbor. And you guys have really encapsulated that, and you don't want to be famous about that or people know, but this is just what you guys do. This is who you are. This is what Adore Ministries does but as a family and and as a as a human this is what you're about but this isn't rocket science right like loving your neighbor isn't something like a concept that you came up with and like you own the copyright on no and that's what's so freeing about it you know i think that for years or at least the first kind of decade of ministry for us as a family or me as a youth minister or speaker or whatever i you know we were always kind of looking for this next um big you know thing. system next big thing you know what it is is it you got to get bigger lights and you got to get bigger stage and you got you know and this big speaker or this video series or this thing and and really it it became it came to a point in my life where either i was going to burn out because i was exhausted trying to keep up with just the you know the speed of ministry and the way it was going my travel schedule and all this stuff and it was either i was going to burn out or i was going to have to let jesus show me a better system and when i just looked at the gospel and looked at the acts of the apostles and I was like dude they were not they were they did not overcomplicate the thing right. they you know they they loved god they were willing to to reach out to those who are poor those who are rich those who are you know and and gather together and then like i think i said in the previous segment just the idea of food god loves food i mean there's no doubt <laughs> it started with an apple you know it was continued with like manna you know and ultimately it rained down you know, completed yeah 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 you know like completed with the bread of life and the cup of salvation there's something to food and uh and i think it you know you, you, it's hard to disagree and it's hard not to love each other when you're sitting down eating you know ice cream or you know sitting down eating great fajitas or great you know and so what we kind of found is that way better than like giving a talk to somebody you know somebody who might not practice their faith or somebody who has a different viewpoint or worldview or something better than giving a talk to them is 
sitting down across the table and just enjoying community as humans. And and the, and what we found was that the conversations begin to come up. So we just it isn't rocket science. Yeah. It, it really isn't. This is what world leaders do. You know, this is what it, this is what humans have done uh, throughout history. So um, yeah, we're just tapping into that thing, this ancient thing. Yeah, totally. And like you know, when Jesus thought everybody was trying to overcomplicate it, he just summed it down to two things. Right. He's just like, right. love God and love your neighbor. And they're like, wait, what? That's it. Like, that's all we need to do. And he's like, yeah, like if you do that, you have it all together. And, and for us as Christians, like that's ultimately what we're called to is to love God and then to, to extend God's love to other people. And so when you go to family dinner at your house and there, it's not all people who look like you and are shaped like you and are your same color and size and think like you and all those things. It's it's diverse. There are people from different backgrounds, shapes, sizes, and colors there who are coming together to just love each other and know each other and dialogue together. Yeah. Uh, when we were getting started about eight years ago, they, there were a lot of folks that were used to kind of the church youth group, you you know, young adult group, church, progressive dinner or whatever. And they kind of came in thinking that that was, that was the purpose, you know? And, um, and it's unfortunate that this kind of club mentality has crept in, you know, right. to, to church ministry that yeah. we're kind of like, you know, we don't need to reach out. We just need to strengthen the core, which strengthening the core of people who are believers and people who are, you know, trying to do the thing within their family is a great idea, but I, I just think it's both and. Um, so, so yeah, when you come into family dinner, uh, you know, we've had people come in like holding their, you know, bringing their Bibles before, you know, and I'm like, what? Uh, not, that's awesome. You have it, but we're not going to be opening up the word tonight. Uh, we're going to be opening up uh, Bud Light, you know, like it's, uh, yeah. So, you know, because there's a time and a place for that, for people people who want to go deeper in their faith, et cetera. But you know, I feel like in the world today, you know, and you mentioned diversity, obviously in the world today, we can see it all over the news and all over the world that there's, there's tension among people. And, um, you know, and even within our church, well, I'm a liberal Catholic, I'm a conservative Catholic, I'm a this Catholic, I'm a, you know, there, there's these divisions. But again, like at family dinner, it's not about, it's not about, you know, talking about what we disagree on. It's, it's talking about the things we do agree on, which are, you know, sometimes, the Astros or this meal we're eating or, you know, isn't the weather great or, you know, et cetera. So, so really just coming together like that. And, and, uh, and we've seen conversion, you know, it's, it's been, you know, it's not our intention or our agenda that people come to know Jesus more at family dinner, but they do, you know, miraculously just by us extending, extending love. And, um, you know, I think you mentioned it as far as like loving God, loving neighbor. The thing that I believe that we need to redefine is is just that, or not redefine, but just get back to the root of what it means. What is is love? Um, what does it mean to love our neighbor? And I think that for a lot of years, for me, I just thought that that meant from afar yeah. and from you know, in this idea of like everyone's my neighbor, right. and you know, and I have to like do all these things for all these people out there, but but I actually have a, a real neighbor. <laughs> You know, the neighbor, neighbor right next door that is uh, is in need or isn't is suffering or is mourning the death of a of a loved one or you know and all those things and so as we get to know them at family dinner we're able to love them in a real way in a real tangible you know hands on way and so yeah it has blessed us and it really teaches us about how God loves us as well absolutely know? and uh, uh, you know when Jesus 
tells us to love our neighbor. He doesn't say love the people who are just like you and act like you and look like you. Uh, our neighbor, not only the person in the house next to us or in our neighborhood, but our neighbor is, is everyone. Like we're called to literally yeah. love everyone, no matter who they are, where they are, and what they look like, what they talk like, or even what they believe. Right. It, and it's crazy. And it's scary oftentimes. I mean, I, I'm much more aware of it now, just how ungrateful people or how afraid people are of love, you know, and you know, you go knock on a door, uh, you know, on any given day, you go knock on a door and to, to invite them to your house, people are literally going to go grab their gun. You yeah, know, they, no, they, I mean, the, the, it's true. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, why would somebody knock on my door? Why, yeah, why would a neighbor knock on my door if he didn't want to hurt me? Right. You know? no, and I mean, it's fear. That's a sad, that's a sad reality in our world that we assume the worst of people and we're, we're just simply afraid, you know, um, there, there, for years, people thought we sold our bond. That's like the reason we were gathering at our house. You know, there were people on our block that just thought we were hosting these parties where we sold people stuff. That's hysterical. Um, it's a huge joke now, but like they, they, they thought we wanted something from them, you right. know? And it's like, Oh man, I just want to love you. I just want to know you. I want to know your name. I want to know, you know, what you like to do. And, um, more than that half, uh, you know, wave there as I'm driving out of my driveway, like, hello neighbor, you know, don't even know your name. You know, we're, we're, we're sort of afraid in our society of people who are different from us or, um, afraid of the conflict that might come up when we begin to speak our views or those types of things. But, but again, like got to have a meal there, you know, got to have something you agree on. So yeah, some type of common ground is, is yeah. kind of, bringing people it is is bringing a lot of different diverse people together um to love one another i think you you brought a little bit about the you know the the divide in our country and even even racially the divide of, of differences between colors of brown and white and black and you know as christians we're, we're called to, to to love everyone and and to be in relationship with everyone to to, to know everyone is as human right that god created us all in his image and likeness equal and that fear that creeps in, uh, it, it sort of paralyzes us from loving people authentically, no matter who they are, or where they come from, or what they look like. We really got to get beyond that. Yeah, and, and you know what what we've found with folks is is that man, all you got to do is just meet some people, and and the and the and the fear is and the and the worry and the things that you thought, the stereotypes or whatever, that they're, they're really get dispelled very quickly, yep. you know, um, you kind of go, Oh no. Okay. I don't know why I was afraid. You know, I don't know why this was my first reaction. Um, you know, but we're never going to really know that by reading a book or praying harder. Right. I mean, I, I guess maybe <laughs> infused grace might help, but, uh, you know, I mean, that's a joke. Of course it would help, but, but the, but the idea of meeting somebody and sitting down it's really, it's second to none when it comes to, you know, being in unison, being united and, and, and not being afraid of that, you know? So, yeah, the um, issue really for, for all of us, all humans is inside. It's in our heart as God changes our heart and allows us to mm -hmm. be loved by him and to love others. Uh, then it begins to transform the world. But we got to start with the people around us, uh, people next to us, the people in our neighborhoods. So anyway, any thanks so much for taking the time. Um, you can find any at any. Uh, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, any four. Any four. E N N I E 
the number four. But, you know, I don't care if you follow me or not. You I, can go to adoreministries.com. It's, it's, it's fun to do it. Yeah, adoreministries.com be a great place to see kind of what we're doing. And if you're, you know, if you're out there and you're like, man, family dinner, that sounds awesome. I love to do that. Uh, give me a call. Shoot me an email. Um, find me on the Internet. I'd love to explain how to do it. This isn't a franchise or anything like that. It's just something we want to spread spread the, uh, the love around the country absolutely man well i can't wait to see you soon in houston and um you're awesome bro thanks yeah, for taking the time today thanks paul love you all right love you too bro Au nom du Père et du Fils et du Saint-Esprit, ainsi soit-il. Je vous salue, Marie, pleine de grâce, le Seigneur est avec vous. Vous êtes bénie entre toutes les femmes, et Jésus, le fruit de vos entrailles, est béni. Sainte Marie, Mère de Dieu, priez pour nous, pauvres pécheurs, maintenant et à l'heure de notre mort. Amen. Au nom du Père et du Fils et du Saint-Esprit. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George in studio with Casey Trahan. Casey, other than wanting to be a cat and a spider monkey, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm pretty good. You like that tie-in to the first segment? Yeah. No, see, I don't always want to be a cat and a spider monkey. I don't like walk through my day thinking, man, it would be nice. No, to I put you on the now. spot with a question. <laughs> so speaking of questions, uh, we're going to go into our game here. Six pack of questions. Six pack of questions. All right. So I got a few of them worked up for you. All right. So you made fun of Annie because of his haircut. Yes. Of his frosted tips back in the 90s. Yep. So I happen to know that you were um, out and about during the 90s while I was an infant. Yes. Um, what is the weirdest haircut you've ever had? Now, this may be back in the 80s even, but what's the weirdest your hair has ever been? Okay. I had a couple of weird do's. So in the 80s... They called this thing called the, it was the side spike. So in the part of your hair where you parted your hair, um, on the side, you would spike it just in the part. Okay. And then your hair would, would part the other way. So it was. God bless the So the people, and then in, in the nineties, I did bleach my whole hair. The whole hair got bleached. Um, in, in the late nineties, I lost a bet. That's what I say. Now in the early nineties, I shaved, uh, I shaved lines in my head. So th those are three really bad dudes that I had. I want pictures. Uh, and he mentioned his Cajun blood yep. in regards to the food that he loves. Yep. Now, we, we talk a lot about food down here in South Louisiana. What is your favorite dish? Favorite dish. Cajun dish or just dish? Food, yeah. Okay, I'm going favorite, hands down, surf and turf. So steak with shrimp and lobster and crab and crawfish on top. And we're talking about the kid buying eight iPhone 7s. <laughs> you just said favorite. I don't say I eat it often. That's not something I eat every day. But if you say, look, hey, Paul, this is, uh, you know, this is the meal you can have, that's what I want. Oh, that's your death row meal? Yeah, that's my death row meal. So during the uh, the family gathering, the, the children refer to it as friend's house. Yeah. Right? So who is your childhood best friend? Childhood best friend. 
so my first cousin was really my best friend, Taylor. Um, we grew up together, which I'm, I'm going to have him on the show one day. But um, we had some neighborhood friends who, who always got us in trouble. Uh, so one of those guys was Jamie Baroni, who uh, he was just the funniest kid ever. And, uh, and I love him to death. But um, I got a lot of spankings because of him. <laughs> so, he, again, a uh, family gathering question. Don't throw out names, but how many of your neighbors on the spot could you name right now? My like current count, neighbors? Yeah, like account-wise. Could you name six of them? Could you name zero? Yeah, I can name all of them. Now, our houses are spread apart. We're like on this one street, so it's not like houses, like a ton of houses. But let's see. I go one, two, three, uh, four, five, six. I can seven of the ten Very houses nice. on my street. How long have you been there? Uh, three years. All right, any is which, right. by the way, we 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 did like a neighborhood gathering, we invited all our neighbors, and and not all of them came. Um, and there's some houses that we still need to meet the people and just you know whatever, bring them cookies and tell them we we love them. But so far, a good experience with all that. Yeah. So any is right now in Houston, Texas. Right. What is your favorite spot in Texas? Texas has a lot of these little holes, gathering places. Like, what's your favorite Texas spot? Okay, so. Um, what people don't know, a lot of people here, when they think of Texas, they think Houston because it's, it's a major city mm-hmm. uh, in our country, and it's the closest major city to us that's huge. And there's a lot of stuff to do, but they don't know about Texas, some other really cool spots, like the foothills, the, the uh, Austin, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit almost to towards west Texas, San Antonio. Those are some spots, like if you're going to visit Texas, that are super cool to visit. All right, last question. Question number six. Have you ever experienced unity in a place where there should have been diversity and division? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. And, uh, yeah, like for me growing up, um, I went to a public school. And, uh, you know, there, there was, you know, Division, I don't know if it was always purposeful, but for me, and particularly as I got more and more involved in my faith, I just, I had friends of, of all shapes, sizes, and colors, always. And it, it just never mattered to me uh, what people look like or talk like. And even for me as an athlete, some of my best friends were musicians or artists or, you know, whatever. They they didn't do what I did. So I, I never saw even differences, not, not only in like color, but just in, in what people liked and disliked. I just love people. But I always had friends of other colors too, and it just it, and there was a time where I actually got ridiculed and picked on for that, which I thought was odd because I thought we we're we're in a country where uh, we're supposed to love everyone, where we, where we have this freedom and we have this ability to get past uh, so many things. But there is a history there that that we need to acknowledge, and then I think that brings even today some current tension, which brings me to a lot about our conversation we're having with any. Uh, about loving our neighbor and in the book that I mentioned in the first segment from Benjamin Watson uh, Benjamin Watson is a football player uh, very super uh, well-spoken well-written guy and he wrote a book called Under Our Skin It, it says getting real about race and getting free from the fears and frustrations that divide us and he says something that really I think um resonates with most people I would say most people Uh, He says this, he says, let's admit it. We all feel angry, offended, 
sad, hopeless, and confused about what's going on. Why do we even today still have hate in our world and in our country? And, and, and there seems to be division among people, right? And he says, but this is also true. Uh, we can be encouraged. And uh, he goes on to say, he says, for so many people, the racial divide uh, is an argument, a, a political position, or a debate on TV. He says, but keeping our distance isn't working. It's not, uh, it's not about an opinion anymore. It's about you and me. It's about our neighbors, our children, and our world. So what he gets to is a lot about what the conversation any and I were having is, what does it mean for us as Christians to really love our neighbors? It's not to think of our neighbors as just someone who's out there and to say from my safe comfort place of my safe world um, that I love people. And certainly we can say that, and we need to say that. Um, I can love people across the globe and never be able to meet them. I, I can say that I, I want to love them and get to know them, but I might never interact with them. But to stay safe like that always with the people around us and our neighborhoods and our workplaces and not just build authentic, true relationships with people goes against what we believe as Christians. That God calls us to love our neighbor. And when he says love your neighbor, it's not a love that's at a distance. It's a love that's that's actually uh, real. Uh, and it begins with um, building relationship and conversation with people who are like us and not like us. Mm -hmm. Other than, you know, the family gathering was a very good example of how you could do that. Are there any other practical tips that you would have to be able to love your neighbor? Things that you could do on the day in, day out. Yeah. And uh, so, like, just like my actual neighbors, uh, you know, there's times where I see them outside and I'll just ask them if they need help in their yard or go over and have a drink with them on their front porch and ask them how their day was. And, and in a world where we're super busy, which I just wrote a blog on my website, uh, paulgeorge.la, um, talking about how busy we are and how rarely do we slow down just to enjoy people and actually enjoy a pace that God wants us to live. And in that, if we begin to, to live a pace that God desires for us, we actually can carve out time to love people. And I know that sounds crazy, mm -hmm. but literally, if you think about most people's days, including many times in our lives, you and I, you wake up, you got your kids, you get them off to school, you got your wife, uh, you get in your car, you go to work, you're exhausted, you drive home, you shut the door, and then like you really uh, have time for anything or anyone else, right? I don't know if that's really the way we're supposed to live. Like, are we supposed to be that busy? And I had lunch with a guy last week. He says, I said, how are you doing? And he immediately says, man, I'm just so busy. Now, here's a guy in his 20s, married, no kids. Now, for you, married with kids, you'd be like, dude, shut up, <laughs> right? Now, for me, older, with older kids, and I'd be like, shut up, right? But um, that, that was his reality. He's busy. And he says, well, how are you? And I said, well, I'm actually not that busy. He's like, what? And I said, I'm actually trying to be less busy than not busy. He says, what are you talking about? literally I'm trying to slow down to a pace where I can carve out time for people. And I think that's what's happening a lot of times is we just don't spend the time, carve out the time to, to go to our neighbor's house or to reach out to our coworker um, or a family member who needs help uh, and needs, you know, to be loved and to have someone in their life. Now you work with a lot of people. How often can you see the exhaustion take place in the person? You could just immediately tell that they're, just living, quote-unquote, too busy of a life. Yeah, I mean, it just comes in their response, how you doing, and then you immediately 
the get, shoulders sag. I sag, a sigh, I'm busy, tough day. And you know what? That's a great place to start in conversation with people. So, you know, what I find is is don't be afraid to start a dialogue uh, with your neighbor, with someone at work, with someone who's different than you. Just ask them how they're doing. Care about them. That's for us as Christians. Like, that's where we, we break the barrier of fear is literally ask someone how they're doing because not because you just want to ask it because you actually care about them. And when someone figures that you actually care about them, a relationship is built with that person. And so as we see all this tension with, with races and with, 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 with hate in our world, all that's conquered, all that fear is conquered when we love, when we truly love someone and care for someone. And we can build relationships with people who are truly and completely and totally different than us because we simply want and decide to love them. So great show today. Casey, thanks for taking the time. I want to thank any Hickman with Adore Ministries. It's adoreministries.com for being on the show today. I want to remind you guys about a great book by Benjamin Watson. It's called Under Our Skin. You can find it uh, online. You can buy it at any bookstore. Uh, so I want to encourage you to get it. It'll speak volumes to you and help you understand how to love your neighbor better. So thanks again for listening. This is Paul George. Talk to you next week. God bless.